Hey, everybody, Scooter. I just want to let you know that between now and July 6th, uh, shirts are going to be on sale over at sleepwithmepodcast.com. Shirts, you can link through there. Or you can go straight to teespring.com, T-E-E-Spring.com, and just search for Sleep With Me shirts. Thanks, and on to your scheduled show. Hey, good evening. Are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing? You having trouble getting to sleep, falling asleep? Well, welcome. I, I think, I hope you're in the right place. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. And we do it with a bedtime story. All you got to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And I see those hands raised raised in the class. I say, okay, go ahead with your question, Susie Q. What, what is the rest? Well, let me... Let me let me move. Well, I can't move up here to chalkboard because I can't write on a chalkboard or a dry erase board. So if you don't mind, I'll just talk with my hands. And since this is an audio podcast, uh, Susie and the rest of the class, you just have to pretend, you, you, you know, this is a new virtual brain implant class. Oh, no, wait, this is a sleep podcast. So, okay, so what I'm going to do here, uh, what is the rest? What am I going to do? I'm going to create a safe place where ideally you could set aside whatever's been running through your brain, uh, racing through your brain, you know, whatever's got you up at night. Uh, say, geez, I can't, as soon as I lie down, this starts up. And some might say, oh, you come and lay your burdens at my feet or something like that. But I would say, I would posit an even stranger, you know, it's a strange podcast to begin with. So instead of an indecent proposal, I'm going to make a nonsensical proposal that those parts of your brains, or if you're a single-brained person, or those parts of your bodies, or those parts of your feelings that start racing at bedtime. And and I don't understand why. I mean, if I did, I would have some kind of degree in this stuff, but I don't. This is all armchair. Well, I don't have arms on this chair. This is all office chair stuck into the, a tiny closet made into a recording booth psychology. But if I'm going to put on my, you know, uh, you know, hat that a person in an armchair would wear instead of a, a office chair in a closet would wear, I would tell you that those parts of you that uh, that pipe up at bedtime they feel really burdened. Now they might I don't necessarily believe that they are, but they truly believe they're burdened with protecting you from all this future stuff and also all this past stuff, but they don't really know what the hell they're doing. And, but they're scared, you know, that they don't, they say, geez, I got to protect this guy. There's this whole wild world out there. Cat Stevens used to sing about, and I think I'm pretty sure his song didn't even scratch the surface of how wild it is. And now that this, this this gal's brain and this guy's brain are, are quieting down, I better pipe up and let them know, you know, to possibly terrify them, you know, just to get through to them to protect them. I got all these burdens and worries, and I got nowhere to go with them, so I might as well dump them on. I think Pixar's working on a movie that does explains this way better. I think it comes out in a, 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 this weekend or next weekend. So maybe just see that and then say, well, she's that guy... His metaphor wasn't, you know, that's the entertaining version. This is the more, uh, you know, version where I say oh, a bunch in there and say, okay, well, let's get just get through this together. But if you, if you can't make sense of things at time, like like I can't make sense of this metaphor, you know, that's okay because what I'm going to try to do, and I guess what I'll try to do live at, in the moment right now is distract the metaphor critic in my brain says, boy, you just embarrassed yourself trying to make that metaphor. What the heck you think? These people are going to, these people are never going to listen to your podcast again. And then your big plans for the metaphor, what were you going to call it? Metaphor University? Well, those, that's down the tubes. And then, uh, you know, metaphor, metaphor of the year award, that's out. And what, you know, so I'm going to try to distract that part of my brain while I distract all the parts of your brain that are chirping up. And the way I'm going to do it is is, is talking in a somewhat lulling, soothing tone. I'm going to try to tell a story, you know, similar to that, you know, to say, geez, 
it should keep you your, your brain occupied. But if you fall asleep, you'd be like, well, I don't know. This isn't, this isn't you know, this isn't like a, a Western movie. There's no Clint Eastwood in this story. Huh, maybe we should do a Western tonight. Uh, let's think about that. Uh, but anyway, you know, high plane. This guy's not a high planes drifter. He's more like uh, plane drifting on the wind. And I say, yeah, exactly. You are correct, uh, metaphor critic. And that's what I'm doing. I'm just you know blowing around and distracting those. I say, geez. We- you know, just like a cat watching a laser pointer, that's what I want to do for all those parts of your brain that are on your case when you go to bed. All those parts of your body that are squeaking and squawking, and all those feelings. You said, she said, she said, I was trying to outrace them today, and now that everything's quiet, they're try, trying to pipe up too. And I would say with them with is is a genuine a spirit as they can. It's like, hey, if we can get the, get this person a good night's sleep. Maybe all your other needs, all you little guys in there and gals with your different agendas too. Maybe we'll get some of your needs met tomorrow too. Or maybe we'll just keep that. Maybe this person will be a little bit safer and secure in the world if they they got a good night's sleep. And I know you guys are out to the same goal as me. We just got different ways of doing it. You guys do it, you know, with your different ways. And I do it in a way... You know, like you guys said, plane drifter. I'm just a plane drifter here. Plane drift. Is is that an arcade game, video game? They come out on the Xbox 360. Plane drift. No, no, not not no P L A I N drift, not P L A N E drift. Oh yeah, no, that that was oh that was my gaming company that went bankrupt. Yeah, that was our launch title, Plane Drift. And they say, you know, when I pitched it, they didn't even they say, okay, so it's a paper airplane simulator. No, it's a piece of paper floating around. Okay, and what's the goal? Blow the paper, watch the paper, blow, blow it around. You know, you could blow the wind, but the paper won't react how you expect it to because, you know, the paper is, uh, you know, some sort of scientific word for what the paper does, a flat piece of paper when it's floating in the air in different shapes. Okay, great. So it's a paper airplane simulator. We'll give you, this was in the heyday of video games. You know, it was a few years, you know, they, a lot of you might have remembered the glory days, we called it. it. Well, until I ruined it. It was about to be the glory days. And they said, we'll give you $10 million for this paper, paper airplane simulator. I said, no, 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 it's a paper, floating paper. I guess it's a simulator. I mean, yeah. And they said, all right. And they took out the rubber stamp, boom, put it on the check. And the money was never, you know, and I didn't get any of it either. I said, I put it into the, you know, launch party mostly. And, you know, the, the, the complex I heard, you know, obviously... Well, looking back at it, I think it was a droid from the future, an android, but he said, she said, I know all the algorithms of paper behavior, random paper, random, you know, he said, it's not random, but it seems like it. And I said, you're hired. How much? He said, 7.5 million. And I said, my friend, how about 7.51? And, you know, so that was the end of that video game company. That's the end of my metaphors. Amazing of the podcast is I, I want to lull you to sleep. I want to make you feel comfortable, feel safe. And, and what, I want to feel. I mean, what, let me just you know, put a hold on the silliness here. I want you to feel respected because if there's one thing, I, you know, if you're up at night sleeping, I know it sucks. And while I might not know the exact thing that's going on with you, I can relate to it. And I know the people that can't relate to it. They say, Gee, well, "Why don't you know tough it out?" You know, they do some breathing with a, you know, cool your pillows. And then, you know, what do you mean you're tight? You can't fall asleep. And then I say, Jesus, well, this is, this is one, you know, I hope I can help. And I enjoy doing it. I like making the stories just to make the stories a matter of fact. But, you know, I found, I said, Jesus, this is what, uh, this is, uh, this is the podcast. And I'm glad you're here. And I hope it helps you fall asleep. If it doesn't, I hope you find something that does. All right?
Let's get on to the uh, housekeeping. How, how about that? All right, housekeeping. You can find us on the web at www.sleepwithmepodcast.com. Older episodes will be there. They're also on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Uh, you can comment on the website. You can email us feedback at sleepwithmepodcast.com. Or if you really want to get us quick, you can get us on Twitter at Dear Scooter or on Facebook, Sleep With Me Podcast. That's where I post all the bloopers and stuff, too. So if you want to listen to those, they'll be on there. And you do get a hold of me. Let me know what you think. There's other ways to be, be, take part in the show. We're changing that. Uh, if you want to post show ideas on Twitter, the Silvertone is the new hashtag. The Silvertone, and that comes straight through. I don't know where, but they said, "Well, gee, Silvertone." Was, I think Silvertone was pointing out. Said, "There's a lot of silver in that Silvertone." So you can use Silvertone or the Silvertone hashtag, but the Silvertone. And then I'll, you know, try to do shows based on what I find during that search on Twitter. That's with a hashtag. Our Facebook group is at sleepwithmepodcast.com slash nods. And I want to thank our moderators, uh, Alexandra and Laura. Uh, we have a, I have a voicemail number now. Uh, call in. I'm working on a widget for the website, but I can give you that number. It'll probably be in the show notes. I don't know what it is. Uh, it's just a Google Voice number, and you can call it and leave a message about people that inspired you or encouraged you or said, geez, I decided to do this project after this. I want to hear your stories, and we'll share them on the show, uh, some of them. If you guys are interested in a Goodreads group, I've got a Sleeper Summer Goodreads group going. And that'll be in the show notes, but let me know if you'd like to join that and talk about reading or support each other's reading. Uh, that That's going a lot, a lot of, oh boy, we're, we're a sleeper summer. You know, those so those things have to do with sleeper summer, which, you know, where we're trying to kick off you know, projects we haven't started, finished projects we have, inspire others, encourage others, and talk about things we love. Sleeper all summer long, so... No need to overcover it here. Uh, shirts are on sale over at sleepingmebackass.com shirts. And it's a great way people are interested in shirts. But it's also a way if we sell enough shirts, we could get it. We'll replace our microphone here, my borrowed, borrowed mic I'm using. And if we get more, we'll, we'll get another preamp, a new preamp. And any money beyond that will go to the laptop I have that I just bought recently. And appreciate everybody's gotten your shirts so far. Thank you so much. That's at sleepwithmepodcast.com slash shirts. If you have any feedback about the shirts, colors, sizes, anything, feedback at sleepwithmepodcast or any other way, just let me know. I want to thank uh, Scotty and Jennifer for their help on the shirts, and they're also in charge of all our iconic artwork. I want to thank Chris Posty Posterson, who does our music. Oh, yeah, you give a shout-out to the defenestrator and the Lord and the Lady. Just make sure they're well, and I hope they are. I want to thank Susie B., Carly, Erica Hay, Vani, uh, Faye, for all the further emails. I want to say, however, on Twitter to Sandy, Lynn Babs, Eante, Rhymes with Dante, Silvertone Eli, Words of Birds, Jill, Chicago Girl, Thank you all. Over on Facebook, I want to thank Boom Boom Brian. Oh, no, Boom Boom Brian's over on Twitter. Uh, Facebook, Karen L., Andrea, Laura, Lida. Lida, 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 Bernadette, Mark, Julie, Emily, and Katie B., uh, thank you all. Thank you, everybody, for your ongoing, constant support. And I you know, really hope I help you fall asleep. Thanks for listening. It's uh, it's uh, tr- Thursday. Wait, wait, no, it's Tuesday. But I figured I'd do a uh, a rending Thursday, Reddit Thursday, since we haven't been on Reddit. And I got three. Let me get one more screenshot here. For some reason, it took two. Uh, but the middle one did not go through. I don't even know if this will make the... Why, don't, why can't I freaking delete that? Oh. All right, so I was saying we do a rending Reddit Thursday. So I have Reddit ready. 
And as I mentioned in the intro, I said, oh, geez, what about this? Uh, what about a Western? Boom, I remember the theme music we had back when we did Get Best. So that was very Western music. And maybe I can find that and play it right now for my voice if I remember and take this tone in my voice. That's a reminding tone to myself as I listen to it when I edit. Uh, to see if you can find that music and play it right now. I know there's a lot of great Western mu- movies out there. But it, it's you know, most Westerns, they start in like a desert-like, you know, in an imaginary West. And, oh, wait, wait, the official historian, oh, actual West, okay, like something like the West, American West of the, you know, 18 or 17, somewhere between 1600 and 1970, uh, and maybe currently still in some places it was like this. But it's weird because after that episode with Aberdeen, that last one, it kind of found, found myself, you know, after editing it, as a matter of fact, I said, man, because he said to me, let's see if I could do an imitation of him. Oh, my friend, my friend, I, uh, if, if, why don't we be friends and then, you know, you could take me curse for me curse, you know, because I don't want to be, you know, I'd look to see me mom and my brothers, me brothers, something like me brothers. I'd like to see me mom and my brothers, you know, because I've been, because he's been, I mean, the best I understood it is that, uh, but I don't know what, I think he broke the curse that his mother placed on herself and his brothers. And that was one thing I said, geez, you can curse yourself. I mean, I've cursed myself, but not in the wizard, sorceress, witch sense of the word. You know, most of the time I curse myself, it starts with you. And I don't know, I mean, I'm already off track, but I say, geez, you know, they try, nowadays they try to teach people to use these iMessages, like, no, no, not iMessage for your phone. You know, like iMessage, like, I feel blank when you do blank. But you know, when you're cursing yourself, you just use a you message about yourself. And it usually, for me, it's like, you idiot. Or you, what the heck is blankety blank with you? I guess to me, sometimes that's my Nana says that to me. Who's also an alternative, you know, a personality I slip into. So, but it's interesting. I don't know if there's any studies on that. It's just too much I messaging. You know, and then you get into your you messaging. And then there was a report in the radio this morning about, they said, uh, that t- troubled teens, like teens that have trouble, uh, tr- not troublemakers in the legal sense, but they uh, have trouble getting along with adults and other teens. You know, that's a sign that they're going to, they said, whoa, were you, how much money did you spend on that study? It's a sign they're going to be troubled later. Oh, boy. Uh, how many scientists do you have on that project, uh, boys? Uh, but but the interesting thing about the study was, so they said, you know, teens that had trouble with their relationships, you know, as an adult. I, I don't know, because, you know, I'm, I'm listening about as much as you should be listening now, 20, 18 percent. Uh, and again, no defrenestrationing, self-defrenestrations, Swedish listening uh, institutes. And, I mean, or if you do it, don't blame me like you did last time. And please don't strip me of any medals you were going to give me. But So I was only half listening to this, but it said, hey, these teens, later in life, if you survey them, so they must have been no long-term survey, or it could have just been speculative science. That's what I participate in. Kind of like speculative fiction, you say, well... This this is going to be a study about you. I guess that's another you message. If they do a study about you in 30 years, my friend, there's going to um, But anyway, the person on the radio, I think it was on uh, Morning Edition, you know, if you ask these as adults, you say, how are your relationships, your romantic relationships, your work relationships, your friendships? The troubled teens as adults, we say 9 out of 10, my relationships are great. I have excellent relationships. I'm the best. But they said if you interviewed all the people they were talking about, their romantic partners, their co-workers, 
and their uh, you know family and friends they would say this person's a monster and we're, we're like one out of ten having a relationship with this person that's what it's like and so I guess uh, you know the theory would be like instead of adjusting their behavior they just just adjust their awareness or whatever but this got me thinking because right of what a bit, you know, how terrible a friend I was to Aberdeen because he said, hey, you think you could get me out of this curse? And, and then I said, well, I, maybe I'll just talk about myself for 10 minutes before talking about you and your curse and, and when I curse myself and link it to some study. But I did have a brief moment of self-awareness there where I said, man, I really shrugged, shrugged him off. Here's this guy who doesn't know his parents, doesn't know his siblings, has to live with his Nana Ginger, and then finds out at a ripe age or whatever, 18, 19, that his mother and his two brothers are a teacup and a teapot, frog. Let's, let's leave aside the, the more fantastical parts about it and just stick to the realistic parts. They were somehow teacup and teapots. They had been frozen into that or or something. That presumably a curse. And then he undertook an adventure to free them by waking a bear that was sleeping in a castle somewhere. But on the way to do that, he became a prisoner. Presumably 20, 30, 40 years went by before he was freed. And then he was he figured out a way to free his mother and his brothers, but only by taking on another curse, which in some sense made him a prisoner. His position was joke cracker, but not in a... I'm not sure if they... Like, again, I was like, are those comedic jokes? Because you're a pretty... The guy Aberdeen, trying to think if he said anything funny. He said some stuff that was funny, but, you know... Not comical. I, I don't, or maybe, well, just, who the hell are you to say that? But I said, I, I kind of brushed He said, you know, do you think you could take on a curse? Because it's a curse for a curse. So to get him out of his curse, to save his mother and his brother, he had to take on a curse of being a joke cracker. Again, no, I don't even understand the story, and I was there for it. But he seemed to be opposing, could I take it? And then I said to myself, after I felt guilty about it for a while, I said, well, I got a lot of stuff going on. I don't know. I mean, I, I you know, I do have some shame and some guilt about not helping this guy. And I said, well, wait a second. You know, what about a canary in the coat? You know, what, what, you know, because I thought about Bernie and how he says, Jesus, humans, all we do is use other creatures of the earth. Or something, and I said, well, then he was talking about, I said, what if I could get somebody else to share Aberdeen's curse? And I guess while I was thinking about all this, I was walking. And I must have walked into some kind of, I wasn't paying attention. And I started to look down and the earth was crunching. Now, somehow last week I found myself in the Scottish Midlands or Lowlands. Again, I'm not, I don't think it was actual Scotland the place, but, but it could be, I don't know, I heard, I, I don't know. And again, I'm basically, geez, well, does anybody have their PhD in Scottish mysticism? Because maybe you were, you know, on a Scottish mystic plane. And I'd say I heard from the four people on planet Earth that did study that subject, and they all said uh, that I was, you know, they they cursed me, but not, uh, you know, the cursing with the with language cursing. And I said, anyway, we don't want to get into the discussion. You know, I'm just on the outs with the Scottish mystics, mystic doctors, doctors of Scottish mysticism. Won't be listening to this podcast, all right? And they won't be buying shirts, I guess. Well, maybe they'll buy a shirt for an effigy of me one day. Well, but like I said, we're walking and look down and... I said, geez, maybe there is something to this podcast in my brain. And, you know, it was time. I said, maybe I shouldn't have been mucking about in that Roose Bolton fiction, fantasy, fantasy fiction, whatever machine. 
you know, transversing the metaverse is because I think, like, I got some sort of internal flux capacitation now. And if I, so I say, well, I'm not, I'm not in Kansas anymore, Toto. And then actually a dog ran by Toto. And I said, okay, well, and I I said, okay, if the dog talks, maybe it's a dream. And I said, Toto? And the dog shook his head, no. And and then the dog said, uh, your dog said an English accent, not a scout. Oh, I don't do an English accent, I don't think. What? Well, good eye, mate. Good eye, mate. No, that's Australian. Uh, crumpets, no. Uh, tidy whities Tidy, he said T-I-L. When former President Teddy Roosevelt died in his sleep in uh, 1919, Thomas R. Marshall, the sixth sitting vice president, said, Death had to take Roosevelt sleeping. For if he had been awake, there would have been a fight. And he said, maybe that's not a British accent, Toto. And I ran, and then the dog ran off, and I said, oh, Teddy, I said, maybe I'm asleep. And then I do, I have a, a sleep strategy. If you, you, you don't try this, because it, it, I don't recommend it. But you say, uh, okay, my sleep, is this a dream? Is it a lucid dream now that I'm aware it's a dream? And then you look around, okay, I haven't woken up yet. Because normally if it's a dream and you try to get, you say, then you wake up. Because I notice with lucid dreaming that I've had, you have to hold on very, very loosely. Almost like you have to sit back and, and let things unfold. And so I said, well, geez. And then I started, so then I tried leaning forward. It was still nothing changed. And then I said, uh, if it's a dream, if it's a lucid dream, you know, this is who I'm thinking of, you know, could could she, and that doesn't even work in a lucid dream, you know, could the maiden appear, ba-ba-ba-ba-boom, and then that didn't work, but it doesn't work in a lucid dream, but then usually I would get angry in the lucid dream and I wake up, or I start going through bedroom doors, and I say, how many doors are there to this bedroom, and then then my eyes stop, and I say... Oh, there's a bed there. Maiden, are you in the bed? This is a lucid dream, you know. And they said, wait a second. Anyway, not lucid dream problems. Talk about first world problems. So then I notice I'm coming up on, I said, Jesus, this is like the American West here, uh, maybe. And I notice a sign above my head. It says, uh, I see a sign, like one of those wooden signs that says boom tone. And I said, what is this, some sort of joke? Because I talked about being dyslexic. That's not how my dis... It's a boom tone. I said, that guy should be the drummer in Silvertone's band, boom tone. And they said, well, Silvertone's only big enough for one tone. Boom bone. Boom bone. Yeah, how about that? Boom bone. So that kind of rhymes, but boom bone. This might be... I'd say everyone would say, did he say... You know, if Silvertone was saying, well, I'd like to thank my drummer, Boom Bone. they say, what What did he say? And everyone would say, I don't know. And they said, well, look in the freaking program. It's Boom Bone. B-O-O-M-B-O-N-E, Boom Bone. Or B-O-O-M space, B-O-N-E. There is a boom. Oh, yeah, something like B-O-O. Did he say womb phone? Because I, I was, I've was i been working on it. Hasn't that been an invention that's been about to come out, the womb phone, where a baby can call its parents and say, hey, uh, quit, you know, uh, keep up the good work because this is great in here. By the way, I'm not coming out ever. Or, you know, who knows? They say, geez, I'm having a dream in here that you two are annoying me with your, you know, change the channel back to... Uh, Anyway, I'm walking, I'm walking in this town, boom, boom. Now I got mixed up, boom tone, boom tone. And I said, is this tombstone? But And I see this guy, he runs out of his house, as he, or he tried to run out of his house to get this live TV broadcast before. And I said, well, that's weird, there's a TV broadcast. But the guy tripped, he had on those... Uh, overalls, he must have been, in, maybe he was in his outhouse, well, it would have been in his house, so, his in-house, 
Like he was pulling up his overalls, but they dropped. He didn't pull them all the way over his shoulders, so he tripped over his overalls. But I said, well, geez, I'm in this town. Maybe I could find someone to take, you know, a curse taker, take on this curse for old Aberdeen. He said, there's nothing like a boom town or boom tune, whatever, wherever we are. You know, there's a sucker born in a boom town. There's a sucker born every minute. And I and then I heard the sweet sounds of ragtime piano. Not boom. Who would the piano player be? Key key phone. No key key tone. No, there's only room for one tone in this band, my boys. It's a silver tone. So no key tone. Keytar. Uh, iPhone. No, that's that's uh, somebody took that. Rag, rag tone, no, that's, that's no tones in the band. Anyway, some guy playing the rag, rag, rag time piano, and I said, that sounds like a saloon. And I said, okay, you know, I said, she said, anybody said, oh, it'll be interesting going in there. And they went over, they go through those double doors, and the smell hits me, and it was hard being in there, I'll be honest with you. Cask, conditioned smell. That's every you know everybody like me's worst nightmare. Make my made my eyes water, my mouth water, you know my mi- misery water. But I said I just I said well, yeah, let the ragtime piano hit me, and it did. I mean not physically hit me, but the, the sweet sounds as a. I don't know if that's staccato playing, but as it just and I started moving around. And I noticed, and I said, well, geez, these guys don't see anybody. And I looked around, I said, everybody in here looks a little mixed up. But I noticed there was a couple guys in the back of the room at a table. They were all wearing eye patches. But everybody else, I said, man, maybe this is some sort of uh, you know, place where people, and I said, oh, boy. Maybe this is where authors give vengeance against people that do fantasy fiction or fiction fantasy. And somebody t- I talked to somebody this week, but I said, well, it's spoken word, so it's not fan fiction because it's, uh, you know, spoken word. And they said, oh, yeah, 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 oh, sure, sure, it's not fan fiction. And then I said, I didn't email the person back. They said, well, this is parody, or I don't know if it's parody or satire because I'm not sure what those words mean. I don't have a total grasp on it, but I said maybe one or the other. And then I noticed that after I said that, people were laughing at me. But like, in, and I said, well, geez, this is the first saloon in the West I've been into that I felt like I fit, fit in. And I said, well, geez, I guess I don't have to worry about the, the drinking stuff. So I said, I went back to the pa- table eye patch wearers. Afternoon, boys. So it was just on red. I saw this. So this GF Grubb posted that their daughter used to wear an eye patch. It tried to make the best of it. And they updated it, but I didn't have a chance to see the update, so I wish I could regale you with how that wonderfully cute child is doing. And I said, you guys mind if I sit down? And then they didn't say, I said, you're not much of talkers, are you? And I said, where are you boys from? And then it was like a west, like whoosh. And I said, oh, boy, this and that. And then right after that, this guy comes bursting through. He's got like a a 16-year-old boy in his arms. And he says, I found this boy using cannabis so well. And the boy lifts his up. He said, I'd rather be legally alive than legally dead. And I said, oh, I said, oh, boy. And he he said, and I said, I took him on my shoulders. I said, uh. I said, tell me where, where, where his parents live. I'll go talk to them. And then one of the eye patch guys grabbed my arm. He said, don't do it. And I said, to what? He said, he said, your, your, your worst half is guiding your actions. And I, at first I didn't know what he meant, but then as I trudged with this boy on my shoulder, he was talking nonsense about, uh, purple snakes and purple snakes at night make 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 starburst delight. I don't. I was like, what the heck is this kid talking about? But as I carried him, I realized, oh, geez, this is the perfect. I could talk this kid into taking my curse. 
And then I realized that would be wrong. But I sat him down. I got to his house, and his parents weren't home. And I got the sense, you know, he had, like, all these siblings. And I, got, I, I sat him down. I told him the whole Aberdeen story. He fell asleep. Then he woke back up. And he fell asleep again. And then I said, uh... I finished his story, and he was still, he was, you know, he was still scared. He had taken too much cannabis oil. And I said, what did you drink, like one of those little, I said, what are you doing, man? And he said, can you put me to bed and tell me another story? And I said, sure, but I said, you can't keep this. I said, you, you don't want to, this isn't living, you know. I said, well, I guess it is being young, but and I said, just keep, just, just be helpful. So I carried him, I tucked him in bed. And he said, what, what are you going to tell What story are you going to tell me? And I said, huh, like, uh, you want me to do something like the Kingdom Hearts 3 E3 gameplay trailer? And he said, go for it. And I said, well, I don't even, I said, uh, uh, Kingdom Hearts beat as one. King, I, I said, that was a story not that different than Aberdeen's story. And as a matter of fact... It was like it was Kingdom Hearts 3. So that was the third marriage and in, in love story in that, uh, in that castle. And I'd say the fourth one was Aberdeen and uh, Coco, Coco, Coco Spice. And I said, I forgot her, her full name. And then I said, I said, how would you feel if I told you my wife's name was Coco Fallout? And then he said something, and I brought a brothel, and I, I, I took a swing at him, but, you know, not not wholehearted. And I said, so that was called the kingdom, that was the fourth, Kingdom Hearts 4, if you want to call it that. And I said, Kingdom Heart 1, we'll skip. And I said, Kingdom Heart 2 was, uh, uh, was Coco, King Coco Spice, and, uh, I don't, I don't know that one, but I say Coco. I said this that story, Kingdom Hearts story three, and the way they why they call it the E three. It was the third great love story of that kingdom. I can't remember the name of it. Oh, no, Giam, Giam play. That was it. I said, geez, sorry, I got it. But out there in that castle. They, and he, I said, aren't you, I said, usually people fall asleep by now. And he said, I'm interested in this story, you know, after you told me about Aberdeen. And and I said, geez, you, I said, are you sobering up yet? He said, I, I don't know, my toes feel furry. And I said, no, I'll just keep talking then. And I said, how about your teeth? Lick your teeth. What's your, your he said, it feels, and I said, okay, you're not sober yet. So if you had to think about it. And I say, let me look at you. And I say, oh, no, I never look at teeth in the West. I said, that's a clear rule. And I said, anyway, the third great love story of that was uh, was one time during the Dragon Perch, which was before the dragon and, and Queen Coco Spice. Uh, King Coco Spice had brought in his dragon, but also a couple other dragons, you know, to bully the dragons of the world. And they had these three dragons, right? And he had, like, the Alpha Dragon and King Coco Spice and then these other two dragons. And I think one's, one, you know, I, I don't know who names these dragons, but one was Tuk-Tuk, Tuk-Tuk-Go, Tuk-Tuk-Go. Can you say that? And the kid said, Tuk-Tuk-Go. Yeah, Tuk-Tuk-Go. He said, like, Tuko? And I said, no, Tuk-Tuk-Go, Tuk-Tuk-Go. And he said, okay, Tuk-Tuk-Go, Tuk-Tuk-Tuk. I said, it's not cool. I said, more of a... And he said, is that an umlaut in there? I said, I don't even know what it is. I said, I, it probably sounds different every time. I said, but that was one of the dragons. And I said, it was a, a taupe dragon, believe it or not. I said, it was, you know, it was kind of a mostly wintery style, but not quite 100%. And then I said, uh, the other one was... Kunbuk, Kunbuk, Kunbuk. And he said, Kunbuk, like, you know, like the, and I said, Kunbuk, I don't know how, I said, that's, a, I, don't, I don't name these, I don't know what, it was, it says, I'm like, 
Game of Thrones where I got a backstory here, buddy. I'm I'm telling you the story as I heard it. On the winds, this was, I think, uh, well, Aberdeen was cracking jokes one time because I did go to visit him out of guilds. I didn't tell you guys that a few times, and he told me this one. But I, they used to so they called the dragons the E3, the evil three, the, all the other dragons of the world. And at first it was all these battles, but then the dragons, the main popular, because these three dragons, they were pretty tough. And they, you know, were, were led by Coco Spice, who was a sorcerer. And they were, and they would gang up. So the other dragons, they just stuck to a policy of isolation and avoiding these three dragons, the E3, Evil 3. And, and so, uh, but so, Duduko and Kinnamuk, uh, and I said, geez, that one's hard to say, right? Kenbook, 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 I think. I'll just call it Kenbook, Kenbook. Uh, you know, they they weren't like, they didn't have, spend as much time with King Coco Spice. And they, they started, they were a little bit younger. I think in human years, they'd be like in their 20s. And they started to miss, like, the, uh, what do you call that, the, 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 the social quality of dragons, whatever these Scottish and, uh, you know, cloud isle-based dragons, let's just say, for lack of a better word. You know, they, they started getting lonely, so they started spending more and more time together, and they started to create these games for each other. And, you know, they, they spent time talking and, you know, more and more time, and then more and more. There's a little thing, you know, and I guess dragons and humans share this, where she's like, geez, I'm missing some kind of connection. That is both emotional, physical, spiritual, I don't know, but it, but it's also this magnetic. But they knew King Coco Spice and uh, his dragon wouldn't have looked well upon it because they were just tools in their plan. But they also just ignored it because every convention was against these two dragons because, like I said, uh, Go was a taupe dragon and Kinbuk, it gave this sense he was a green dragon. But, you know, again, it was against any their love was against the conventions of the time because they were just, you know, working for this warlord type. And they had been excluded. You know, these dragons were, were persona non, dra, dragana non grata within the dragon community of planet Earth. And, and, you know, this is over. I don't know. I don't know how time unfolds with this uh, Scottish, uh, whatever we call it, mysticism or mystic world, possibly, or real Scotland. It could have been in real Scotland. But, you know, they they would create these games for each other, little, uh, what do you call them, treasure hunts where they would leave each other food. But they, you know, they kept it professional, as professional as they could as dragons go. Uh, but then one day, uh, I think it was uh, Ken Book, it created this one, uh, this thing, and in the last parts of it overlooked this little town. And it was like the equivalent of a high school, or whatever age this was, current, probably, you know, equivalent of like a high school, one-room schoolhouse. But they were watching, you know, and they just, uh, go, it just, you know, they found it, and it was like a, collection of fine cheeses from the world that uh, Kimbuk had collected for Duk Duk Go. And they were sitting up there eating the cheese. And, and, you know, I think they might have been in a human form. I'm not positive because I think they were drinking, you know, wine. They had a picnic-style spread. But they were watching these these two humans in the back, you know, like the back play area of this uh, one-room schoolhouse out in the, Scottish Midlands, I think. And, and one of the kids was saying to the kid, the two kids, it was, it was two boys. And they kind of seemed a little bit like a misfit Sue, and the dragons kind of 
like Jesus is, reminds us of us. And then a couple other kids came out, and the one kid said, for all you trying to eat better this summer, this helped me escape from being a fat kid. It, which which was more the kids was trying to... And then they took to go said, hold on. And he ran down the hill. And he, dragons, when they're in human form, they tend to look pretty... Like, regal, but not uppity. You say, Jesus, I'd like to hang with you. What's up? But something where you're like, I don't know. And uh, you went down to the humans. You say, you're not, it doesn't matter. Why Why did you say that? And the one kid said, well, that's what they call me, fat kid. They pick on me. And, and uh, he said, who and Why? And he said, by the way, do you know to go? He said, do you know you two are in love with each other? And then the rest of the kids started. And he, boom, took the rest of the kids out with his temper. And they took the school out with his temper. And then the two boys were like, well, what? And he said, yeah, have a great life. You know, no one's going to call you fat from now on. And the kid said, except for the rest, you know, the rest of the humans of the world. And he, and then he uh, said, well, I'm going to talk to King Coco Spice about this and see. He goes, we're, 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 we're going to rule this country with an iron fist after the Great Dragon Purge. And what they didn't realize was that uh, they'd been being watched the whole time. That, that King Coco Spice didn't trust any dragons didn't trust anybody and then the next thing they knew there was some spell and they were separately imprisoned in the same place that Aberdeen was with different paintings and uh, they just kept them there and the dragons in in human form some sort of spell to keep them in human form finally they went to to, to go and they said it's going to be you or Kinbook you know only one of you He's going to help us with the rest of the mission. And Tuktuko said about Kinbook, you know, we've grown 600%, you know, closer together since this uh, NSA, this nonsensical surveillance news broke and you guys threw us in here. And, you know, we you didn't have our privacy. You know, you're not privacy-minded, King Coco Spice. The cuckoo said, the cuckoo said, you know, on, 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 on Ken Book, he said, uh, we've grown 600% since this NSA surveillance news broke. And I'm going to invent a privacy-minded search engine now doing 3 billion searches a year. And King Coco Spice said, say what? And Duke uh, Duco said, I'm speaking in a metaphor from a land called uh, America. He said, you just think you could, he was, uh, I love... Kinbook, 600% more times now that you've kept it separate. And I'm ready, and he was shouting, and dragons can shout really loud. And so Duke Duke was pretty confident that Kinbook had heard how much he loved him. And they said, well, what was that about? And then uh, King Coco Spice said, we, we got to go to this America. They can do six billion searches in a minute, did you say? They watch everything? And then he, he uh, and then uh, King Coco, Duke Tuco says, not only that, he said, uh, you know, you got you to worry about the future. Millionaires are expected to control half the world's personal wealth by 2019. And King Coco Spice has had enough. I've had enough of your time wasting. That's it. But but as, uh, you know, King Coco Spice started to cast spells and his dragon started to circle and Tutuko burst out and they chased after, uh, they chased after the thing. Uh, Tutuko called upon a hero, uh, to 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 carry the magic and the power of both Tuktuko and Kenbook, and some sort of magical spell created this is floating. This is all going on during this battle. 
this floating, so there's this great dragon battle going, because then uh, Kimbuk breaks out of his his cell, but then the, 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 their magic, Grace's magic incarnate, and it appears there, right in, right in on the back of Tukuko, right in the back of Tukuko, casting spells, trying to deflect uh, King Coco Spice's cells. And uh, Kimbuk says, who's on your back to, to go? And he says, the guy on his back says, I'm Sugar Ray Leonard. Ask me anything. Uh, Sugar Ray Leonard says, oh, I, I, I'm one of the, you know, I'm representative of a god from the the world beyond spirits, the Scottish world beyond spirits, and I can only help one of you. You know, what should I do? And Kimbuk went first. And he said, protect to go forever, whatever it has to do. Sugar Ray Leonard said, ah, well, you know, started speaking in magic. And then Tuko lost control and started to dive towards the earth. And uh, meanwhile, uh, you know, the spells and the dragon power went right into Kembuk, took Kembuk out immediately. And as... Uh, Dukduko sensed what was happening, and he was diving towards Earth with Sugar Ray on his back. He started to transfer into this bear, and they crashed right into the forest. You know, their fall was broken by a magical power, uh, but 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 Dukduko uh, became a bear, and then Sugar Ray Leonard, he, he, even though he was a god and some sort of spirit type thing, he said, "Oh boy." And he said, here, not only are you a bear, I want you to disguise yourself as a human. And he said, what are you, he goes, what is some weird sort of babysitting? A human, I'm a bear, it's not going to work. And Sugar Ray said, trust me. So Sugar Ray gave Tuktuko the bear all his clothes. And he said, go off into this forest and hide for as long as you can. Uh, You know, and one day... Maybe you'll live to to avenge your love. And so they they did. And now I said, Jesus, that's the same bear as uh, the one in Aberdeen's story or not. I don't know. Uh, And then Sugar Ray, I think, went back to the spirit world. But then, you know, there was no one to oppose King Coco Spice and King Coco Spice's dragon, unfortunately. But then he noticed this guy was asleep. And then uh, his sister said, "Hey, it's his first. It was his first birthday yesterday." And his sister was not impressed with his behavior because I said, "Geez," they said, first, which first birthday?" And then she nodded me and said, "Oh man, that's terrible news with all that cannabis stuff." And she said, "What happened?" I said, "Well, he, I said he just needed a friend to put him to bed." And she said, "Well, thanks." And I said, there's probably something going on with him. He must be depressed about something. Does he have anybody to talk to? And she said, I don't know. And she said, what are you doing? And she said, you're clearly one of the wanderers in this town. I said, yeah, clearly. I said, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to curse for a curse situation and how to get out of it. To be honest. I was like planning on not taking on this curse, but it looks like I'm going to have to. And I said, do you know what, what, let's get your brother down? And she said, well, too much uh, news. And I said, you got news? She goes, it's present day. She goes, you're just, uh, she goes, you're just in a little twist in the metaverse here. And I said, I said, I'm totally confused, but what's he down about? Let's just stay, let's focus. And she said, you know, she, he was reading about you, Kuzlej who said, explained why Bernie Sanders considered a long-shot candidate, despite Sanders' popularity on Reddit. And I said, well, Reddit's great, but it's not the whole world. Is that it? And I said, uh, was there a lot of uh, mean stuff about Bernie Sanders on there? And I would say, that's got him down. He's a big Bernie Sanders fan. She said, yeah. And I said, that's a curse. I said, I said if, he, if he's so I mean, I like Bernie Sanders, but I said, Jesus, you know, if you're counting on him to be president. And she said, I know. And I said, well, we got to figure out a way to keep him from, uh, you know, this from knocking him off so he makes it to his next birthday. 
And she said, what, what do you think? And I said, well, you, you can never lose hope. I said, like, the people in China just learned. China screened as Star Wars in cinemas for the first time nearly four decades late. So you can't ever give up hope. And, and, and you know, I, I've just recently learned that I just can't wander around hoping for someone to, to do something good for somebody I'm supposed to do something for, curse for a curse situation that I'm going to have to take on this curse for this guy somehow. And I said, well, geez, I, I, I don't know. You know, I got a lot of stuff, a lot of commitments, and a lot of things tying me. You know, I can't just take on a curse and be joke-cracking for 40 years in the middle of nowhere without contact to my family and stuff. And she said, don't worry, it's going to be Okay. And she said, what if I told you self-awareness is not unique to mankind? And I would say, do you mean like as in womankind or humankind? And she said, maybe not even unique to humankind. And I said, thank you for using more inclusive language, you know. Because he otherwise is confused. I said, is that some sort of word trap or... And I said, well, I've heard, you know, that some, some... Cultures believe that the rocks and the trees, and I guess part of me, you know, prays to Barky, the tree god from Game of Thrones, so she laughed at that. And I said, well, I guess the most important question for him for tomorrow is how do you get out of bed when you're depressed? And she she said, how? And I said, well, you could say one foot at a time. And I would say, here's how you get out of bed. When you're depressed, you get out, you make your bed. I said, that's one rule when I was going through some uh, depression classes. They said, well, just get out of your bed and make it. That's the first thing you're supposed to do. You know, no snooze, no nothing. And she said, okay, well, I'll make his bed tomorrow. Then what should he do? And I was like, maybe, do you think he could help me? And I said, I never even, I said, I don't remember if I got your brother's name. He was passed out. But I said, I got to take on, I got to figure out how to take on this curse. And I said, maybe, you know, helping me directly isn't enough. But maybe you could have him every day when he makes his bed. And I don't know if your brother's a religious man or a spiritual man or a meditative man. Or I guess he's kind of a boy. But maybe it would, if he could just take a moment of silent contemplation and, and, and try to send me some strength uh, to find the courage in myself to help this guy, Aberdeen. I mean, this poor guy, probably four or five decades have gone without him seeing with his family, including all he endured to save his family or free his family from a ceramic-based uh, curse. Uh, involving that bear story. I don't know if you were listening to that that story. And I said, Jesus, it doesn't make, I don't understand it, but it seems like these, in this mystical Scotland, we've fallen, there's a lot of curses going around. And I wish it wasn't my job to be the one that finds out about these curses and say, well, Jesus, if you look at the way the stories are heading, it's kind of falling on you to close out the curses or at least put put one on your shoulder and take it. And I tell you what, my, my young friend, I didn't catch your name. And she said, Infinity. And I said, oh, boy, then I'm definitely in trouble if that's your name. And I said, what's your b- brother's name? She said, Brunick. And I said, well, I, said I won't be prepared. I said, thanks, Infinity. But if you guys could take some time and just send me some courage to take on this uh this curse, or at least to face it and say, man, maybe I could free Aberdeen. But I I don't know what it involves, and I don't think I'm up to it. I came to this town to try to find a sucker to take on Aberdeen's curse and quickly found out if you carry a boy that drank too much cannabis oil, you guys tell him hours of stories. Uh, before I'll fall asleep. Usually I can get people to sleep with just the intro of the podcast, but, you know, some people listen the whole night, but they're not up the whole night. But, you know, whatever, I got them to sleep. It worked. But now, you guys, I said, you know, I got to do what's right, I guess. What do you think? And she said, when you get up tomorrow, make sure you make your bed. And I said, thank you.
And so I don't know what what curse for a curse means still. But I know I have some sort of obligation to Aberdeen. And anyway, this story is vaguely related to Aberdeen, but more my musings. And then it wasn't really an adventure, more of a a sidetrack I took to say, geez, well, I'm not going to find a way out that way. So hopefully you're asleep, but I think, I feel like it's going to be fine because I said, geez, this is kind of like a dream. And I said, but, but I said, geez, can I take on a curse for a curse? Will it really even be that bad? And what will, when will it come up? Well, I don't know, but I hope you're asleep. If not, uh, good night.